Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, it was one of those weekends, right? It was uh, considered a holiday weekend, Fourth uh, of July. It actually lasted four whole days, and I hope that uh, some of you attended a parade or two and celebrated Independence Day, but uh, somehow I doubt that since there aren't that many parades left which have patriotic themes. Now, a lot of people that I know, including me, went to see a movie. It was called The Sound of Freedom, And all I can tell you is it was absolutely the most disturbing film I've seen in a long time. And I, uh, in in my No Restraint podcast, I addressed the fact that everybody I know who saw it, and quite a lot of my friends and and, uh, associates saw the movie, all described, particularly the women and even some of the men, all described how they cried throughout the movie. I didn't shed one tear. I was furious. I was so angry throughout this movie that I can't even wrap my mind around it. I think I have replaced some of my uh, feminine, emotional, you know, normalcy with fury because I'm just so tired of there not being enough people who have any fortitude, any men who have enough testicular fortitude to actually confront some of these issues and fix it. You know, this movie was made in 2018 and they couldn't even get it on the screen until 2023 because people don't want to talk about the ugliness of child sex trafficking. You know, the fact that 2 million children are currently being trafficked. And I think that for many people, you think of, you know, uh, the, you know I, I don't even know what you think of, but I know that some people have always assumed that when you're talking about adults having sexual encounters with children, it's usually teenagers or, you know, maybe very um, post-pubescent children. But that's not what this movie was addressing. I'm talking about five-year-olds. I'm talking about six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it still at this moment. What kind of of disgusting creature is attracted to a prepubescent female or male? You know, what, what am I missing here? I'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination, but like the woman's uh, ideal-looking women or at least what I've been told all my life were, you know, big busted, small waisted, big hipped, uh, you know, voluptuous Marilyn Monroe types. And now I'm being shown images of a seven-year-old girl and grown men desiring her. 
not one, but millions. And I'm, it, it, it made me angry. It made me sick to my stomach. And it made me convinced that the reason we don't talk about this is because it's just too horrible to think about. Instead, we talk about all this other garbage. You know, instead, we, we're worried about, uh, you know, how many transgendered uh, admirals are there in the military? Or uh, w what company should be using transgendered individuals in their advertisements? As if that had any importance whatsoever. But no, we don't want to talk about child sex trafficking. You know, people need to, to, to pay attention. You know, I'm hoping that everybody in my listening audience will make it their business to see this movie. And I'll tell you how I know that this movie is going to move a lot of people. Because it got reviewed by Variety magazine. Now, mind you, Variety is of the leftist of left-wing publications, okay? This is the Hollywood paper. You know, this is a paper that'll defend all kinds of indefensible behaviors, but even Variety said, Sound of Freedom is being sold as a conservative thriller. It's based on the true story of Tim Ballard, the former Homeland Security special agent who has devoted himself to fighting child sex trafficking and who took his crusade private when he founded Operation Underground Railroad with backing from Glenn Beck. Now, 19 years ago, I saw The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's movie, as much as I loathe Mel Gibson, that was a brilliant movie, and the actor who played Jesus in that movie was Jim Caviezel, and he is the star. He plays uh, Tim Ballard in The Sound of Freedom, and he has literally um, taken this upon his shoulders to get this out as many places as it can. And I gotta tell you, even Variety Magazine said the movie may have a Christian undercurrent that occasionally becomes an overcurrent. And mind you, this is what they use as an example of when it becomes an overcurrent. When Ballard explains why he's fixated on the crime of trafficking, he says, because God's children are not for sale. Now, how is that overstating the case? I mean, really, are there atheists out there who believe that we should be selling little children to grown-ups to have sex with? I mean, I, I, I know people who call themselves agnostics and atheists. I don't believe they think it's okay. So I don't think they'd be, you know, put out by that expression. That was his reasoning. Now, of course, this movie has been marketed and conservative websites and by conservative people like Ben Shapiro and uh, Glenn Beck and, and, and people like me. But this is something that everybody needs to see. And everybody needs to get angry about, that's all. You know, this is not, uh, you know, one of these uh, conspiracy theories that was going around about the pizza parlor and the pedophiles. I don't, you know, I don't pay much attention to that stuff. I really don't. Um, I believe that the reason that liberals end up covering up the actions of some of the most 
despicable human beings like the Harvey Weinsteins of the world are because of money. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to be a conservative to think that this is a very disturbing subject and should be made, uh, everyone should be made aware of it. You don't have to be a conservative to find this movie horrific. I mean, it is a horror film, really, is what it is. And there's no graphic sexual scenes. There's a lot of innuendo and a lot of uh, uncomfortable scenes, let me put it that way. But, you know, the original studio was, it was shelved by Disney in 2018 after it acquired the 20th Century Fox, which was the original studio that this was filmed with. And it's finally brought back and is now being distributed independently. And that you, you could see it for free. I mean, there was a way to go online and buy a ticket or to get a ticket given to you for free. You know, when I bought tickets for myself and, and my husband, I paid for two extra tickets for them to give away. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Everyone needs to see this movie, every adult. I don't think that children, uh, again need to see this horrific movie. But I think parents need to talk to their children and parents need to be aware that children are lured into these sex trafficking. I don't even know what to call them. You know, how many times have you gone to the movies and seen a movie about drug trafficking? Oh, a dozen, right? Or, or gun running, dozens. But child sex trafficking? You know, nobody considers this entertaining. This is the fastest growing international criminal network the world has ever seen. In the closing title, it says, and this is accurate, that there are more people enslaved now by sex trafficking than there were when slavery was legal. This matters. This matters more than, than, uh, than even drug stories, and I, I believe they're pretty darn important that we have a country flooded with opioids and, and fentanyl, all this crap. You know, they'll, they'll kill us off without ever firing a shot. The enemies of freedom. It's time to wake up. It really is. You know, and journalism can't show you the horror like a film can. Because this is a film that takes you into a, a dark place that people like you and I never, ever, ever think about because we, I, I can't even relate. There was one other movie that I saw years ago. It must have been 20 years ago, um, which was kind of like a very artistic movie about sex trafficking that nobody else saw. And I can't even remember the name of it. But in this... This is a movie that will shake you to your very core. And if you're a crier, you'll probably cry. You know, I am a crier. And this is as sad as it gets. But I'm just so angry. You know, it's the same kind of angry that rises up in me when I have to read, you know, editorials about, uh, you know, Ben and Jerry on the 4th of July stating that, uh, you know, we're on land that was stolen from Native Americans. You know, the, the, where's their independence? I mean, these people, they really, they, they emphasize 
anything that they can find possibly horrible as if it were the way we operate. But they don't talk about child sex trafficking. Why doesn't Ben and Jerry give some of their profits over to uh, the underground, Operation Underground? You know, why is it that conservatives are supporting this, in particular Glenn Beck? Why is it that this movie had to be marketed to conservatives? Because let's face it, uh, think about your liberal friends. Are they going to run to see this movie? No, no. They're going to go see The uh, Avengers Part 9 or, or some other, you know, Creed Number 5. You know, that, that they just want to be entertained. They don't want to be enlightened. They don't want to be informed. And, and I'm just so weary, so angry that people just don't rise up every now and again and say, no, no, this is unacceptable. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. The brave better start thinking about the freedom that's being taken away from children. Do you know where the largest sex trafficking market is? I'm sure everybody's uh, right away thinking about all of these foreign ports. It's here. It's here in the United States. And it doesn't wait for a Super Bowl either. It's every day in America. And Ben and Jerry are worried about whether Mount Rushmore belongs to uh, the citizens of this nation or to the Native Americans. <laughs> you just can't. You just can't. And, and, and I wake up to, to stories this weekend of, of cocaine found in the White House. You know, this follows on the heels of transgendered topless uh, models parading across the screen in front of the White House, you know, sidling up to the president of the United States. Now there's, uh, you know, coke in the White House. And, and the Secret Service just can't figure out how it got there. You know, they're going to have to have a, you know, a, I don't know, maybe they'll get a special prosecutor. I'll tell you how it got there. We know who, who has a, a cocaine history in the White House. But no, you know, nobody, nobody can dare say that, you know. No, as a matter of fact, there were actual, there was actual footage of Hunter Biden at the White House this weekend. You know, standing on the veranda there with the, his, his new wife and his new kid, not the one that uh, can't get his last name. And there he is, you know, beaming from the balcony with his mom and dad, you know, touching, really touching, while the Secret Service finds white powder, first suspicious white powder, not sure what it is, and then it comes, the analysis comes back, it's Coke. With all the cameras that there are at the White House, does anybody really believe that somebody could have, you know, dropped off a package of cocaine in the White House and not have been seen on a camera? You see, the problem was somebody was seen on the camera, but it wasn't somebody that didn't belong there, or at least... Uh, Joe Biden doesn't think he doesn't belong there. Is this rock bottom yet, or how, how much worse is it going to get? That's my question. All right, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can get all the news that's streaming on our website and on our app, and you can hear the No Restraint podcast. We're going to try and figure out how I get it from my computer to the computer over there, but whatever. 
You know, these are technical difficulties that I have to master. Get angry, though. Please, people, I need somebody besides me to be furious. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So of course, the emails are already flooding into my mailbox. I'm furious, I'm furious too, I'm furious, I'm furious. Yeah, we're furious. There's so much to be furious about. You know, on top of all of this nightmarish realization over the weekend that, uh, you know, we had this giant sex trafficking of children going on in the world, I also find out that uh, we've just been lied to over and over again about COVID and vaccines and all the rest of it. And now there's a fertility crisis in all the countries where the mRNA COVID shots were the ones that were most heavily relied on. And I'm talking about nations that had pretty stable birth levels before they introduced these mRNA uh, vaccines, and not even vaccines. Sweden, the births have plunged. Germany, Eastern European nations like Bulgaria. It, it, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the menstrual changes in many women that, that we knew were happening, but we weren't supposed to say anything too bad about it. Uh, it goes with the territory, right? Now, now we got studies that show sperm declines in men who received MR, mRNA shots, jabs, whatever you want to call them. Yet governments and scientists and the media, they won't talk about it. They won't examine is there a link? Instead, they, they mock those of us who ask the questions. You can't, you can't possibly expect us not to be asking questions when we're seeing these things in real time. East Asian nations with almost universal mRNA jab uptake among adults already had shriveling birth rates. But since the beginning of 2022, they have seen births fall to levels previously considered unthinkable. In South Korea, a country of 51 million that had barely 600 births a day in April, the South Korean birth rate is now barely one-third the level needed to keep the country's population stable. Taiwan and Japan, hardly any better shape. Japan had almost twice as many deaths as births last year. Spain and Italy, which had birth rates lower than northern European countries, have seen smaller declines. 
So there are going to be all kinds of differences. But God forbid that we talk about it. You know, I read an article over the weekend, another one that just, just cut off my piece by Dr. Naomi Wolf, who was in a hospital. And after reading this article, I don't want to go into a hospital. I mean, I'm going to have to be unconscious for you to get me into a hospital. I have lost all confidence in the uh, medical system. You know, if it can't be done outpatient, that's okay. I'll limp, whatever, you know. I, I just, the nightmare, we're talking about a person of stature, a person of uh, somewhat celebrity status, right? I mean, she was the, one of the great feminists and uh, she's now become a real serious questioner about the vaccine or the whatever you want to call it, the jab. And uh, the way she was treated in this hospital, in, in, you know, the enlightened state of California, makes me sick, makes me scared. You know, I have a friend who has got a, a, a chronic condition and she has recently opted out of treatment for her condition. And she said, I am not going into a hospital at any point. And she's a medical professional, okay? But I'm not allowed to say that, you know, why is it that motile sperm, the sperm that swim mostly in a straight line and therefore can probably implant in an egg, fell 22% about three months after people got the shot. Now that's pretty critical because a full cycle of sperm production lasts about two months. So any testing less than two months after the vaccination won't even tell you if the jab had any effect. But the scientists who are, who are asking these questions, the Japanese researchers, they're laughed at. The South African researchers, they found a roughly 20% decrease in the motile sperm count in 46 men who were having their semen tested at a fertility clinic. But don't ask any questions. And don't, don't ask for a larger, longer-term study that might offer a definitive answer to whether or not the jab have impaired sperm counts or equality. They don't exist. There's a small Israeli study and the small Japanese study, but no, you know, uh, we could afford to, to, to fund gain-of-function research for viruses, but we cannot afford a study on whether or not those mRNA jabs that we insisted people take, we mandated that they take, have impaired sperm counts or anything else. I just don't trust anybody. The NIH is spending over a billion dollars to research long COVID, but nothing on fertility. You ought to be angry. If you're not angry, you're dead from the neck up. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to be talking with a candidate for the Republican nomination for a House seat. Um, people jumping into these races, and we're going to give them all free time on this radio program. All they got to do is ask. I'll be right back. All right, and uh, welcome back. As I promised, you know, it's beginning of uh, this season where we're in the primaries uh, uh, announcements of people who want to run for public office. And as I have said over and over again, there is no candidate 
who I will not interview because I just believe that the audience is smart enough to decide for themselves. Uh, with me right now is Dan Frangese. He is the, uh, he actually, Francis, sorry. I don't know. I, I always have to give him a fancy name. Dan, you don't mind if I turn it French, do you? <laughs> not, not at all. Thank you. As long as, they, as long as they get it right when they have to look at the ballot, that's all that matters. And it, that's right. And, he is trying again to get the Republican. Well, he has already gotten the Republican nomination in the prior election. He's again going for the nomination as a Republican for CD22, which, of course, is the seat currently held by one Lois Frankel. How are you, Dan? Well, uh, pretty angry, actually. Uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Sound of Freedom at the beginning of your show here because my wife and I saw it. Monday afternoon, and it's all we've been able to talk about ever since. And I uh, agree with you 100%. Uh, every American needs to see that movie so we can get more awareness of this horrible issue. And I think that's step one towards solving the problem, which is uh, gain a, a greater attention toward it. Yeah, and it's stunning to me how, you know, we have a Congress that obviously must know the level of sex trafficking that goes on in this country, and yet they can spend all of their time talking about, you know, how many transgendered recruits are coming into the military. It's like they don't understand what's important. Well, yeah, it's a matter of priorities, and uh, yeah, and sex trafficking and human trafficking in general is way up ever since to open our border, so it's one of many reasons to close the border, and, uh, uh, and, and yeah, we need to devote more resources to it, and you know, rest assured, when I'm in Washington, I'm going to make sure law enforcement gets everything they need to wipe out the problem. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your background and why you think you're the best man for the job. Sure, sure. So I'm a lifelong Republican. I had the privilege of being born as a Republican. I've been active politically ever since I was a teenager, and uh, I am a uh, absolute America First candidate. I've been supporting President Trump for a long time, and I'm o I'm the only candidate in this race that has endorsed him. And I've taken that a step further to speak out against these ridiculous indictments against him. Uh, as for myself, I'm a businessman. That's my background. I will bring a businessman's perspective to Washington. I'll get the place to work for us and not against us. So those, those are the key things I want people to remember about me. Yeah. Now, obviously, when people have run in a, in a race before, they have some you know, idea of what's involved in winning a race like this. Talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, both on the ground and in terms of fundraising. Sure. Uh, the, the first, uh, so I became a candidate two years ago, and uh, I've been working on campaigns, like I said, since I was a teenager, but uh, no substitute for being a candidate yourself, and I've gone up the learning curve. There were so many times during the last campaign where I said, God, I wish I knew that two years ago. Well, you know, now I do. So I've got a you know, tremendous uh, learning curve uh, uh, behind me that I'm able to make use of now. Uh, but there's so many other reasons I'm confident uh, that we're going to win this time. The numbers in the district are definitely moving to my advantage. What we're seeing more and more is that Democrats are more are becoming very fed up uh, with Biden and with one of his biggest enablers, who is uh, Lois Frankel. Uh, and as for my campaign itself, I've already got a very good infrastructure in place. I've got dozens of volunteers who are uh, you know, grassroots kind of people who are ready to make phone calls and knock on doors on my behalf. And, you know, I didn't have that two years ago. 
you know, over and above that, two years ago when I came into the race, there were 12 people. Uh, so, so I did ultimately get across the goal line. I was the person, uh, but it was tough for me to do fundraising when there were 12 people in the race. Now there's a lot more attention, and I'm co- confident I will be able to raise the funding to get the message out. If I can get my message out, I will win, Joyce. Yeah. Well, I think the numbers are turning um, in a lot of these counties that were pretty, you know, blue for a long period of time. Certainly Palm Beach proved in the last election that it was beginning to shift. And, you know, we have an influx of New Yorkers, though, coming down. And I'm uh, I'm always fearful that they'll bring their voting habits with them. Yeah, that, there was always that uh, fear. But uh uh, that when I'm seeing for myself on the ground, that's not what's happening. I mean, first of all, we are signing up or registering many more Republicans than Democrats. In fact, in my district alone, it's, it's the, the difference is starting to narrow. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think the liberals are coming here. I mean, they, what they're reading in the press is that DeSantis is turning Florida into a fascist state. So I think one of the benefits of that incorrect information is that it's scaring away liberals from moving here. So I think what we're getting is a lot of good self-selection of people who want to come to Florida because it's the free state of Florida, and those are people that are going to share your mind values. Yeah, I saw an article just today about how liberals are moving to blue states over issues like abortion, and uh, and and conservatives are moving to red states over the self-same issues. You know the. The idea that anybody thinks that they, they're going to live in a vacuum regardless of what state they move to is pretty uh, naive. I mean, there are, three, there are a number of people sitting in Washington right now who I don't think care one bit about what's best for the people. They just want to retain the power that they have, and that's on both sides of the aisle, you must admit. Uh, absolutely, and it's one of the reasons I've been such a big advocate for term limits. I think if you have term limits, you get government, you know, by the people rather than by a ruling class, and 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 I think that this is also a good time for me to tell you why I'm running. I'm not running to make a career out of politics. I'm running to go there for maybe six years, fix the problems, and then hand it off to somebody else to take it another step further. You know, it's not what our founding fathers anticipated. They didn't want to have career politicians. They want people who were doing it for the right reasons. You know, I'm often asked. And, and I don't like this question, but I'm often asked, so what's your goal? Two terms and cash in as a lobbyist. And I say, no, 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 that's not it at all. Uh, I've quit a very good uh, job and left a very good career to do this to campaign full time. You know, my goal is uh, uh, what's in it for me is 20 years from now, I hope I can tell my grandchildren at that time, I was one of the guys who put up his hands, stood up and saved our country when it was heading in a bad direction. That's my motivation for going there. I'm not going there to get rich. That's not my goal at all. No. Well, no. And again, that's one of the things that I've always said is the founding fathers were brilliant in that they wanted people who represented uh, the American people, businessmen. They didn't want all lawyers up there complicating, making a mess out of uh, you know legislation. Uh, they want businessmen. They wanted doctors. They wanted people who had actually had thriving businesses and weren't walking away looking for a way to earn a living, but were leaving a very comfortable living to go and do public service, which you have convinced me is your your idea. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been very successful in this country. I started out with very little. I had a very distinct blue-collar up, upbringing, uh, but was able to have a successful business career. 
I, I am truly a walking, talking American success story, and I'm very proud of that. But I also look at younger people who were, you know, 40 years behind me, and I say they don't have the same opportunities I had. Uh, I want them to have those opportunities, and that's, that's my vision for our country. And uh, uh, that's why I'm doing this. So, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day 20 years from now when I can tell my grandchildren, who, which I don't have yet, by the way, uh, that uh, I'm one of the guys that got the country back on track. Uh, yeah. What I don't want is for them ever to say, Grandpa, why didn't you do anything? Or, Grandpa, what was America like before it went communist? Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I never have that part of the conversation, and that's, that's what's motivating me here. And if people want to find out more, the website is danforfl.com, and that's capital D, then capital F-O-R, capital F-L.com. Danforusa.com is, I think, another one, right? Correct, correct. So we've actually moved to a new website, danforusa.com. The number four or the word F-O-R or F-O-U-R gets you there, danforusa.com. That's where you can learn more about me. Uh, of course, you can also, if you like like what you see and like what you hear, you can also donate to my campaign there. As we all know, it costs millions of dollars to uh, run a successful congressional campaign. So every dollar that uh, people can contribute uh, will help tremendously. Yeah, and of course, the Republicans are notorious for flooding primaries so that these candidates end up spending a ton of money just to get to the general. So. Uh, go to the website. If you want to contribute, contribute. If you have uh, questions, you can contact Dan through that website. Dan, say hi to Vicki. Thanks uh, for coming on the show. Will do. Thanks for having me on the show. Have a great All afternoon. Right. You too. All right. Well, look, you know, listen, I'm going to bring everybody on. I've already had another candidate, Andrew, who was uh, also running for the nomination. And uh, anybody who wants to go into this race is going to have to prove to the, to the people in that district that they can handle this job. And the only way they can even know who these candidates are, what they stand for, who they support, is for them to get time on the radio. And there's not a whole lot of uh, local talk radio left anymore. I mean, you know, the, the morning show here, me, uh, everything else, for the most part, you're hearing from the voices that address the entire country and don't address your district, don't address Florida-centric issues. Um, you're only going to hear that on live local talk, and we're still the home of the best live local talk. So, you know, I'm pretty confident that if you want to hear what candidates stand for, you're going to have to turn on this, you know, this show, which is a good thing even if sometimes I get extremely upset, as I am today, over the things that uh, apparently our political class doesn't find interesting or relevant, like what kind of results are we seeing from mRNA vaccines? Uh, How much child sex trafficking is actually going on? How many people are dying from overdoses of fentanyl? And by the way, congratulations to the Florida legislature for allowing testing strips that identify fentanyl to be sold over the counter. And look, I'm not pro-using, but I will tell you this. There are people out there who are using regardless of how I feel about it, and we don't have sufficient resources to educate them. So if there can be a, a simple testing strip that could identify the presence of fentanyl in drugs, then why wouldn't we make that available? And the Florida legislature did pass that, and the governor did sign that last week. So it's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. And I don't, you know me, I don't congratulate people very easily. 
All right. And don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino at 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro at 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh, 6 o'clock, the WPTV News, and then all the great programming overnight. And we head right into the morning show, the South Florida morning show at 6 a.m. I have one segment left right now. Stay right where you are. So uh, I just uh, continue to uh, try and, and convince people that where there's life, there's hope. And we have a responsibility. I think the, you know, Dan said it very well. We have a responsibility, not about what we think is right for this country, but about what we know to be right as people. You know, when I saw The Sound of Freedom, yeah, it is more disturbing to me that this goes on in my country than it is disturbing that it goes on anywhere. But I was just, uh, I was slammed in the face by hearing it, that it does go on everywhere and that it's an international ring. And that, for goodness sake, what, when, when are we going to put our foot down and say, all of this perversion, all of this uh, disgusting behavior on the parts of supposedly responsible adults needs to stop. You know, we have laws that say, if I dare say something uh, about, I don't know, anybody, I, I could be accused of a hate crime. I'm not allowed to, to, to defend, uh, you know, the Supreme Court. Let me tell you something about the Supreme Court. I've never been as proud as I am right now of the members of the Supreme Court because these decisions are actually, as one of the um, one of my favorite writers put it, these are literally counter-revolutionary actions. You know, the idea that over the weekend I heard a, t a dozen people or more weighing in. On, on the internet, because that's what I basically listen to these days. I just can't stand the television other than to watch Westerns on grit. But um, they were accusing Clarence Thomas, who wrote a brilliant opinion on the affirmative action decision. They are saying that he was the recipient of affirmative action, in spite of the fact that it's simply untrue. It's a lie. You know, Thomas Sowell is one of the few people who has uh, also, in his own autobiography, which was called A Personal Odyssey, he talks about the fact that when he was uh, teaching it, back in the 60s, uh, you know, somebody came up to him at the cam cam campus and might have been in the early 70s and said, you know, what do you think of affirmative action? And, you know, he, he didn't say any, you know, he just made his usual conservative comment. And then the student said to him, uh, I'm having a lot of trouble understanding something that's in this textbook, and do you think you could explain it to me? So Professor Sowell said, yeah, I can explain it to you. And the student had the audacity to say, are you sure? And then Thomas Sowell said, I wrote the textbook. And it was only then that the student even noticed that it was his name on the cover. And they were obviously embarrassed. But as Thomas Sowell puts it, it was a sign of the times. One of the fruits of affirmative action is that everybody doubts that you know a, a black economist 
got into these great schools on their own merit, or that Justice Clarence Thomas deserved to get into college or deserved to get into law school or deserves to sit on the Supreme Court. Justice Thomas is not a hypocrite for opposing racial preferences because he did not benefit from them as a college student. And no one, but no one, according to Jason Riley, one of my favorite writers over there at the Washington, uh, the Wall Street Journal, said that uh, nobody has produced any evidence that his race played a role in his admittance to either college, which was, I think, Holy Cross College, or to Yale Law School. You know, and he points out, how come nobody questions Hillary Clinton's or Bill Clinton's credentials? They were in the same class as Clarence Thomas. But of course, because of the color of his skin, he immediately has been branded, as the left so willingly and capably does, with this affirmative action banner. So it can taint the actual accomplishment. You see, when blacks and Hispanics, and I can attest to this myself as a Hispanic, when we are able to achieve anything, whether it's to get into a prestigious program at a school or whether it's to get a job, immediately I'm asked whether or not my race or my ethnicity played a role in my getting in. I was repeatedly asked when my kids went off to Ivy League, uh, you know, colleges, whether their background uh, made them gave them an easy pass or something. I mean, it, it's so insulting to people who actually deserve the accomplishments they achieve. And by the way, Justice Thomas's concurrence uh, includes a whole lot of references to Thomas Sowell, who's been against affirmative action for over 50 years. In 2003, when the Supreme Court upheld these race-conscious admissions, it was Thomas Sowell who said that he probably wouldn't live to see the day when the court finally issued a clear-cut statement that racial quotas and preferences were illegal. Thank God he was wrong. He heard this decision that was handed down last week, the day before he celebrated his 93rd birthday. I am so tired of the so-called, uh, you know, open-minded liberal left taking pot shots at men like Clarence Thomas and uh, Thomas Sowell and, and the litany of men who and women who deserve to be where they are today, not because of the color of their skin, but because of their, the content of their character, the diligence with which they worked to get access to higher education. You know, instead, we're focused on one of the most ridiculous subjects ever in the United States Houses of Congress, and, and I just sit here, impeachments and, and all of this, you know, Russian collusion, all of this crap that they took up their time with while children were being sex trafficked. You know, all of these passes that were given to uh, Hunter Biden, legal passes, in spite of the fact that he's a self-admitted drug addict. So by the way, if the Secret Service uh, wants to hear what the American people think, how we believe that perhaps that cocaine uh, evidenced in the White House this weekend got there, 
you know, I would just uh, strongly suggest that they um, look at the historical evidence. That's all, you know, and maybe make a, a little investigative look through the luggage of the uh, first son. I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself that everybody else is taken and get angry. We have an obligation to get angry and go see the sound of freedom. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.